0: Welcome to the show. He's Scotty Kipfer.
1: She's Amy Ost. Welcome to the show. So we have a very, very cool guest this week.
0: Okay, so I've had the opportunity to sit on panels with her to interview her in times past and she's such a wealth of knowledge that we just had to have her on the show.
1: And she's a legend. I mean, I-, I think your experience with Michelle is probably similar to mine. When I was in radio way back in the day, I was interviewing Michelle. I was bringing her on stage at different shows and things and she's just a delight every single time.
0: Yeah. And uh, after an award show, she put me to bed once.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, you win. <laughs>
0: <laughs> She's a delight. Hello, Michelle Writes. Good day, Amy. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. How is the new year treating you?
2: Pretty good. You know, uh, there, there always seems to be a, a lot of work to do. And, you know, fingers crossed for lots of shows in the new year and all those things.
1: When you were coming up in the clubs, Michelle, this is very interesting to me because I think the construct you know, in the early days for you was very different than the construct is today in terms of cutting your teeth and working your way up the, the, the food chain. So how did you sort of establish yourself? You, you Obviously, you realize you have a, a bit of a talent and you want to take it on the road. So what's the process back in the day of sort of launching the career of Michelle Wright?
2: Well, you know, actually, what I did is I was going to college, And uh, I was playing in my little local band, you know. I would come home on the weekends and play some, you know, some little club or a wedding or a dance or something. And, And one evening I was playing, and this gentleman came up to me and asked me if I would join him and his wife at their table in my break. And I said, oh, sure, you know. So I went and sat down, and he introduced himself to me, and his name was Paul Wade, and he was a booking agent out of Detroit. And he said, you know what, I have bands, a lot of traveling bands that are playing clubs all around North America that could really use a female singer. And we have a hard time finding girls that will go out on the road. Would you consider going on the road, maybe joining one of my country bands? And I was just so excited about him asking me to do this. And so I said, well, okay, let me go talk to my mom. And, you know, I've got one more year of college and this and that and the other. And And I talked to mom and I decided that I would go out and try it for the summertime. But first I had to audition. So I went to a club in Windsor, Ontario with a band called Wild Oats and uh, i auditioned with them and i got the job and i went out for the summer and then decided uh, i like this too much to to return back to college and i had i had family support so mom said all right honey well you only you're only young once so go for it right so i worked in that band as a hired singer for 200 dollars a week for about a year
1: six nights a week
2: yeah yeah, yeah we traveled all over north america from town to town to town Club to club, right? And we, we didn't ever have to take a, a week off because there was always work. There was always some honky-tonk. And, you know, they were honky-tonks. They were nothing special about any of these places. But then, you know, Scotty, I then, I, I went ahead and I then I went and auditioned with another band that was sort of a little more popular, so to speak, and they I, they hired me. I really was a hired gun for the first five years of my road career. And then I decided I wanted to put my own band together. And my mom helped me uh get a get a van and get a sound system and off I went, you know, started playing the club six nights a week and did that for another four years. I got my offer to sign with Arista Records in nineteen eighty nine. Wow. Nine years there playing the club six nights a week and, and developing my craft, you mm-hmm. know, building yep. my Developing my craft. it was. I think those it, it it were crucial years uh, to, to learn. Uh, you learn whether or not you love the road, because it's not an easy... Some people get the record deal before they've even been out on the road these days, and then they find out they actually don't really like it. So I loved it, and that's sort of how it built for me.
0: You are very fortunate that you had such uh, strong family supports because I'm sure... A lot of musicians would say, you know, that their parents thought that they were crazy, you know, just pursuing music full time.
2: You know, my mom and dad were singers as well. And my mother had her first child when she was 16 years old. So she couldn't, you know, pursue her singing. And she was really good. And her second child, when she was 17, you know, my mother had two babies, if you can believe, by the time she was 17. Wow. So the fact that she saw that I had a talent that she felt was something, she would really, she supported me a lot. And so my, my family did, in fact, support me. There was never any, oh, honey, maybe you shouldn't do this or anything. Because, you know, the truth of the matter is once I went out there and started doing it, you know, sometimes people will ask me, well, how do you get to where you got to? Or, you know, what, what are the, 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 there's no secret. The, the fact remains that you do it and either the next door is going to open or it isn't. And then, then you walk through that door and you keep doing what you're going to do. And either the next door is going to open or it isn't. Do you know what I'm saying? There's yeah. no magic. There's no secret. It's about doing it. And people are either going to show up, and people are going to sh- come and support you. And you're next thing you know, you're going to have an agent. You're going to then you're going to have a manager, and then you're going to have a record deal. And you know, if twenty years or so into doing this, that stuff isn't happening for you, then perhaps you, you might want to rethink the career path. Do you, does that make sense?
1: Absolutely. So, okay. Yeah. So now you're nine years uh, on the road. You're doing the clubs. You get the record deal. Then what happens?
2: Well, the, you know, as you can imagine, it was just, I cannot believe this is really happening. I dreamed that this was the dream. It was coming true. It was just so amazing. So Do Right By Me was my first album that I recorded in Canada in 1985. And actually, that album is what got me my record deal. I released my first single in 85, released the album in 87. Uh, At this time, I signed with Brian Ferryman at Savannah. So Brian was a great help for me, my manager and agent at that time. You know, that's a perfect example of what I was talking about earlier about, you know, uh, Marilyn Caswell was a booking agent at that time. And she had heard that Brian Ferryman, who was a really popular manager, like he was just starting to become his own you know, the entity in the music business. And so she had heard that he was looking for a female singer. And so she sent him a cassette of me singing, you know, mama, he's crazy by the Juds," and another original song. And he came to see me at a club. And this was 1985 and I was up there singing Merle Haggard and all kinds of male songs because I wanted to differentiate myself from the female that was there before me and the girl singer that's coming after me. You mm-hmm. know, I mm-hmm. wanted to sound different than the rest, but, uh, but so anyhow, you know, that, that album, Do Right By Me, got me my record deal with Ariston in 1989. And then we did my first album called Michelle Wright on Ariston and, and got our toes sort of dabbled in the water. I think I had one top 20 off of that or something like that. And then the follow-up album had Take It Like a Man on it. And, uh, and things started to rapidly change.
1: So then you've got an ACM Award for Top New Female in 92. You've got 11 RPM awards, 16 CCMA awards, two Junos, a Much Music Video award, SoCAN award, you've got two double platinum albums, and now you've recently been uh, inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame here in Canada. Thinking back to the Michelle of the late 80s and the early 90s, did you ever think that you were going to have a career of that magnitude?
2: Do you know, I didn't, I never really even thought about in terms of Hall of Fame or anything like that. But if I'm being honest, and when I'm talking to young artists, you have to believe you're going to have a career like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know what I'm saying? It's yep. like you have to imagine, oh my gosh. I got to get number one records and I, I got to sell albums and I'm just going to believe that this is going to happen. And, you know, and the harder I worked, the more it happened. If you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. I mean, we've worked and we continue to work very hard. So, you know, I dreamed it, but, but then when it starts happening, you're like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe, You know, I would like visualize it, you know. I remember when I was playing the clubs and there'd be like two drunks in the corner kind of thing. No (laughs) kidding, right? I would I would believe there were five thousand people out there. I would just close my eyes and sing my songs and just believe that there's thousands of people and we're all having a great time, you know. So you gotta see it, man. You gotta you gotta believe it. You gotta
1: I'm pretty sure I played that same club for those same two guys.
2: (laughs) How about for years on end, right? Yeah, man. I'm kind of laughing. I'm thinking uh, when, when when my manager, Brian, decided that it was time that the band would open up a couple of songs first and then they would introduce me and I would be nowhere to be seen in the clubs and I'd come through the door and, Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Michelle Wright, and I'd come through the doors, and I'd get on stage, and we'd try to put on a show, you know. Well, the first night we did this was in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan, at <laughs> a real honking honk. <laughs> And and, and I come busting through the doors, and there are literally two guys passed out. (laughs) Oh, and and my bass, and I hadn't peeked through the window or anything. I was just so excited that I was going to make my entrance. And my my bass player, Floyd, was, he he had, you know, he had a little bit of a girth. And his his <laughs> jowls were just jiggling. He was laughing so, try, trying not to laugh, but laughing at it's one of our one of our fond memories of me uh, making my big move from uh, running the, the 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 soundboard from the stage to uh, making a, an entrance. You know.
0: Let's fast forward just a little bit. I mean, I was present when you picked up the Impact Award at the CMAOs back in 2018. And I mean, that's absolutely amazing to know that you've made such an impact in Canadian country music and and not just Canadian country music, but country music in general. How did that make you feel?
2: It's such an honor. It's just to to, to have your peers and your friends in the industry recognize and, and want to celebrate you and want to just give you a pat on the back. You know, it's wonderful. And I so appreciated.
0: I was mentioning earlier that I've sat on a couple of panels with you and you're so gracious to musicians who are just wanting to break into the industry to, uh, you know, just get their start. You're you're always so positive. Uh, what is some advice that maybe you might want to give people who are are struggling because you had mentioned it's a grind. I mean, you've got to show up. You've got to put the hours in. You've got to put the days in. You've got to miss the family events. You've got to be a far away from home. So what would you say?
2: All of that is true. You know, I, I so seldom do panels because I often feel like the answer to that is one sentence and then the panel is over. <laughs> you know, <it's> like <laughs> right, right. You know, the... the, the You know, what I said earlier is simply the truth. You have this dream, you have this desire to be in this business, then what you do is you get up every day and you show up. I mean, what that looks like, I I, I think is different today than it was when I was coming Mm -hmm. up. Yeah. But you have to find wherever the opportunity is to sing and play, wherever the opportunity is to write a song, wherever the opportunity is to learn something, you know, and keep showing up. And either the doors are going to open or they're not. Mm. It's just that simple sometimes i think for young people today that they they maybe think it should like i've talked to some young artists that are like 21 22 years old who are so stressed out and so concerned because they haven't had a first single yet or they haven't had a record deal yet or they i'm looking at them like are you kidding me you know i mean this stuff takes time but i i do i do think that the young artists are dealing with sort of a different environment because by the time I, if, if I came to Nashville at 21 or 22 years old or anywhere at that point, people would look at me and go, are you kidding me? How many, how many dues have you paid? How many nights have you spent on the road? Right. How many songs have you written? You know? And, and so it's, it's, it's an interesting environment now where the younger people are perhaps feeling really pressured that, You know, if they're a certain 21 or 2 years old and they haven't done anything yet, then they never will. And so I just tell them, look, you got to do it and give yourself, cut yourself some slack. You know, understand this stuff does not happen overnight. Sometimes it does, but very, very rarely. And even those overnight sensations will tell you, yeah, but, you know, I still had to keep working and, and so on. So, you got to just do it, and things are either going to happen or they're not.
1: I saw an interview with, uh, with James Corden. He was interviewing Elton John. This is a couple of months ago now. And Elton said, when I was a kid, I learned how to play piano. And then I learned how to sing. And then I learned how to do those two things at the same time. And then I learned how to write songs. And then I learned how to perform. And then I got famous. And it seems to yeah. me that it's, it's almost backwards now. It's such a race for stardom that it, it's like, let's, let's make this kid famous, and we'll worry about the talent later. Do you see that happening at all, Michelle?
2: I keep my opinion to myself, quite frankly, on someone's level of talent, because I think that that is very subjective. But I do agree with you that, you know, before, if you saw a spark of something, like, for example, Tennille... Mm. Our young Tennille right now, who's kicking butt, right? When she was 16 years old, I saw a spark of something in her. I'll, I'll never forget. I turned to my manager, Brian, at the time, and I said, well, I think we need to keep an eye on that one. Like, there's an artist that you saw this spark of talent, but it's still, she's, you know, 10 years later now, she's starting to enjoy that success. Right. So I do think that, you know, it it is just starting at a younger age now and there's a maturity that's required mm-hmm. to be in this business that 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 can't possibly be present for some of the younger the younger talent do
1: you know but, what with the exception of Tennille, though you know i think the first time yeah. that i met Tennille, uh she was 15 and mm-hmm. she was a little firecracker yep. and it wasn't till yep. probably i don't know 6 or 7 years later that i got a chance to write with her for the first time and it was yeah. a, in that moment that I realized how far. First of all, how far she'd come as a guitar player. She's a wonderful guitar player. Uh, but secondly, yeah. as as a young woman of her age, to have the perspective that she does is is an incredible rarity. I think. And uh, we've we've only had a chance to write a couple of times, but each time we came up with a song that. Uh, I mean, there was there was nothing trite about any of it. Um, there's a perspective there that a lot of the younger artists just simply don't have because it it seems like it's sort of a race to fame. But with Tenille, it was more about developing the craft and then chasing that down. A slow grow. Well,
2: yes, and you know what? Again, again, to me, she's she's the exception to the rule in one sense, in that sometimes there are people that are so exceptionally talented uh, that you you can tell and you 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 will know it you know, and then that she had all the other ingredients and then there are people that you hear or see something that's you know got but it it requires uh you know maybe a little more developing or or, or what have you but um uh, scott to get back to your i don't, i don't know for sure sometimes uh if the if things are happening before the talent is there or not uh but I do know that perhaps artists are being put on the stage when they're not quite ready yet
1: mm-hmm. sure so let's talk about the big fish and that's take it like a man how did that song come into your life from the song selection standpoint to recording the song to putting it out can you just describe the the sort of journey that you were on with that song
2: you know what I remember back in the day I would go get on the tour bus with a garbage bag full of cassettes from people pitching songs, you know. Right. It was such a thrill. I just couldn't believe that there were that many songs being written or that many songs being sent to me for my consideration. You know, it was pretty awesome. And the first time I heard Take It Like a Man, I knew right away, no doubt about it, this is perfect for me. And then we were in the studio recording it, and the drummer came out of the booth, we all our heads down and we were listening, you know, because I was very, I was sort of like a sponge when I got my record deal with Arista. I kind of sat quietly and listened and observed and, you know, I didn't have a lot of opinions about anything. You know, I certainly did have opinions about what I was going to do as an artist, but I just sat and listened a lot. And we were sitting in the room, at, you know, the playback and heads down and I heard the drummer say, if that's not a hit, I'm going to sell shoes for a living. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Right? I just remember that, and I just took it in. Like, I didn't look at him. I didn't ask him any, why would you say that? What makes you, you know, I just took it in. But I will tell you, proud of that record, loved it, the whole album. But we had to work that song really hard, you guys, because it was so different. For women, the tone of my voice, the mm-hmm. subject matter, the groove of the song, everything was not, you know, I mean, I started having to deal with the challenge of not being country enough, you know, that that, that, that <laughs> was sort of not considered a country enough song, right? So we, Arista had to work really hard for that. It went to number one, I believe, in Canada, and it went to number eight, I believe, here in America. So, mm-hmm. But we almost lost it a couple of times.
1: Lost it how?
2: In that it was losing momentum.
1: Like, gotcha. As far
2: as I shouldn't say losing momentum, I mean convincing. You know, we we you, you got 20 stations, then you got 60 stations, and then you're like, "Come on, man, we need, we really need these next 20 stations." Yep. And, and getting that sort of flack of, "No, this isn't really country enough." But you know, the promotional staff at Arista just kept working, and then the audience started responding to it. And you know that changes everything. Absolutely. They they started calling in and going, what's that uh, Canadian girl there? (laughs) (laughs) And and, and off we went.
0: Well, uh, it, it was off of the album Now and Then, Back From 92, right, Michelle? Yeah. Okay, so that album alone had seven singles. That just really doesn't happen
2: these days. No, no, I know, right? Yep, yeah, we just kept going at it, and, and you know, why not, if you can, you know, if, if, if people are responding, and had he would be 16, of course, which was another pretty big record, and uh, so we just kept going after it. Those were the days, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> we thought they'd never end, but they did.
1: <laughs> so when you heard Take It Like a Man for the first time, was it a guitar vocal, or did you have a fully produced demo?
2: Gosh, you know, I wish that I had that original demo, and I and that's such a good. I feel I think it was Trisha Yearwood singing it. Actually,
1: was she and singing you know, demos at the time?
2: She Trisha was a demo singer originally. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Yeah, yeah. She she did a lot of demos. So, but interesting because I believe that song was pitched to like all the girls. Every, and everybody passed on
1: it. You know, it's so interesting. That happens so often in Nashville. Uh, yeah. I remember Moments was kicking around town for a long time before Emerson Drive landed on it. There's just, uh, I think I Drive Your Truck was one of those songs um, that Lee Bryce had yeah. as a number one. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems, it's it's interesting. It seems like the song of the year songs are the ones that kick around for for quite a while before they find their home.
2: Yeah, and you know they do eventually. I think I believe that eventually songs do find their time, you know. It's like one of my newest recordings is a song called Love in This Day, and I had that song for 15 years before I finally the time was right to record it. And I just I recorded it last year. Right. How do you know when so, it's the right time, yeah. Michelle? Well, for me with this song, Quite honestly, I, 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 it, because it's a ballad and it's kind of R&B and it's not real country and, and you know, it's really a deep song, you know, lyrically, um, I think I had just sort of given up on the idea that any sort of major label was going to let me record it. And then now as an independent artist... My longtime manager, he passed away a year ago, and uh, so uh, my my new manager, Chuck Thompson. Chuck and I have been working together for about four and a half years, and I have to share something with you about Chuck because he used to he was a part of the management team of the Judge.
1: Woody Bowles is a, a friend know, my, of mine from way back, and and Chuck yeah. actually worked with Woody uh, way back in yeah. the day. I just had a chat with Chuck this afternoon, and he said, "Yeah, man, Woody gave me my first job, and it was part of the the Judds camp."
2: It's such a small world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Chuck has a wonderful career, and you know he's done it, he's done it all. You guys, from you know the Oprah to the you know the the go, the, the going away tour to the and, and uh, you know Jetstream, you know. Private plane tours and all of it, and we also came up similarly, you know. And I have to tell you, I was when I was living in Sudbury at the time, back in 1983 or so, or 85 or whatever it was. I heard on the airwaves, "Mama, he's crazy." The judge singing, "Mama, he's crazy," and I said, "Lord Almighty, please make sure whoever that is that she's not Canadian." Because the industry was so the industry was so small, there's like only room for one female on the radio right now. You know, Mm -hmm. and of course uh, uh, Chuck was uh, managing them or a part of the team at that time. And all these all these years later, now I'm working with him, and I love to work with him. He's just one of the best, and he's got the he's a Nashville original. So of course, before I went from my my wonderful manager of all those years with Brian Ferryman. Before I got into bed, so to speak, with somebody else, I needed to make sure that they had the same kind of integrity that Brian Ferryman had. And I spoke to so many people in Nashville, and, and Chuck had, is very loved and very respected. And so now now we work together, as I stated, into what happened with Love in this day when it was time for me to get back into the studio again. He said, I want you to cut songs that you love. All the rest it, it will be what it will be just record songs that you love. And so, Loving This Day, I finally got to record, and I have to tell you that the lyric in that song means so much more to me now than it did 15 years ago because, for example, you know, my ma- my manager of 28 years called me one day and said, I need your help. And uh, I, I we, we had kind of had to step away from one another for, for a couple of years because... He had just lost his wife, Sue, to ALS. He was really struggling. There was a lot of pain and a lot of sadness, and we were really, really having a hard time, you guys. And I had to say to Brian, and he was not doing well, and I had to say to him, big guy, you know, you've got to rest. And I've got to pick this ball up and move forward. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so we had had a little bit of communication. And then he called me one day and he said, I need your help. And the song Love in This Day, I've seen a world of beauty in a single ray of light. I've pulled off the road for rainbows filling up my sky. You know, I know everything I love going to be gone someday, but I'm on my way to help a friend
0: wow. because
2: he needs a ride. Hmm. I'm telling you, when I that lyric is so meaning so much to me now. So, Loving This Day found its place eventually at the right time for me. Mm-hmm. Love
1: that. That's wonderful. Wow. You touched on uh, spots for women at radio even back in the day and that's, that's a hot topic these days is women finding their place on, on country radio. Do you have any thoughts on that?
2: Well, you know, I was very, very fortunate, you know, in the 90s, there were so many of us out there, you know, so there's been an ebb and flow, obviously, but I do have to be honest with you, it kind of just breaks my heart about what's happened in the last, uh, I don't know, whatever, I don't know, I guess once the 90s went away, I I do have some understanding of the change in radio and, uh, you know, some of the changes that needed to be made, but on the other hand, uh, I'm kind of, I know playlists are shorter and therefore that leaves less room for artists. And, and, uh, so I guess I, I, I won't place an opinion on, uh, you, you know, there's economic reasons and you can't blame, uh, uh, people for trying to, you know, make more money. You know, that's, that's, a, right. I, I believe in sort of a capital capitalistic point of view, you know? So, Whatever you need to do, I guess, to keep it going. But there has been an effect on on what's happened because when I was coming up in the 90s, there were so many women out there. Sure. But I I will give another point of view that I think is going on, if I may. Of course. And that is that the demographic has shifted, you know. And so when I was, my audience that I was singing to at 30, 32 years old was quite often married women. Yes. So, you know, the married women that are listening to radio wanted to hear sort of maybe my more mature point of view in, in my songs. Well, now, you guys, and I totally get it, because I remember being a 20-something, you know. Now, <laughs> the girls that are listening to radio are 18, 19, 20. You know, the country audience wasn't 18, 19, 20 when I was coming up. No, it's yeah. younger, So for the sure. girls want to hear the boy. They want to hear the boy's singing them love songs to them, you know. <laughs> hey, baby, it's you and me in my pickup truck tonight, you know. <laughs> I get it. I totally get it. I think right?
1: I've heard that song. <laughs> yeah.
2: Before I married my husband, Marco, was like, if Keith Urban could just, he could sing anything, and I know he's singing to me. Yeah. I know he's thinking about me, you know. <laughs> so I think that's part of what's happened as well, as our, our demographic has shifted, and so young girls want to hear the boys sing, pruning for them, you
1: know? So, so as the world turns, that demographic is going to get older. They are already consuming country music. So do you think that that's just part of the wheel turning? Do you think that's going to come back around and we'll have uh, the, the sort of demographic desire for... More mature Part female of the music,
0: ebb and flow that Michelle was talking about. Yeah.
2: Well, I think it's inevitable, right, that things are going to change or evolve, and how that, what that looks like, who's to say? But I, I will say that if if I was in charge of the world, par- apparently I'm not. But if I was, <laughs> this is what I would do.
0: How rude! I
2: would have two, <laughs> I would have two formats, you know. That would be sort of maybe a bit more traditional, a bit more. Different point of view, and then and then a, a, a more sort of contemporary, because uh, because there's so much great music being made, mm. but there's just not room for all of it, and uh, there's a uh, uh, you know a lot of, a lot of living going on out there that we don't get to sing about.
1: Yeah. So spanning a forty year career, Michelle, have you seen uh, the face of the music industry and the face of radio? Uh, have you seen that change over the last forty years, and and if so, how?
2: Well, of course, there's been so many changes. It's just it, it's pretty amazing, and I'm just so thrilled that I have been a part of all of it. What a, what a privilege, you know. When I think about it, I I, I made a an album, and then it was cassette. And then it was CDs, and, and now it's downloads. And uh, so that change has been amazing. Also, how we make records now. I mean, you know, you can make a record in somebody's house. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's amazing. It's just so great. I mean, the, the things... You know, I, I think like all things, there's that yin and that yang in that... You know, what? It, what it used to cost to make an album is... So different than what what you can make in it. now mind you though still about five thousand aside if you're gonna if you're gonna work with someone right that's gonna really bring it you, you you can't go I don't because I'm not if I was a producer then then I wouldn't have to worry about that overhead you know but you, you still got to pay people for their job sure and there, there is a to me there's a there's a there's a you just don't don't be cheap with recording your music. Try to make it the best that you can. But the fact that you can do that now independently is pretty pretty amazing. You know. Then of course that radio though, I, I I will say, I guess as an older artist, sometimes I uh, I'm sad that there isn't really a place for someone like myself uh, to be heard on radio because I feel like I'm singing and writing better than I ever have. Right. But you know, you have to. Also, just come to terms with the fact that everybody gets their time, and then from and if you're lucky, you build a career from that, and so you can continue to move forward. But um, but sometimes with sort of that younger shift in in our format, in particular, has created issues for artists. You know, 50 and above. How do you get heard now? Mm -hmm. Of course, through the internet and so on and so forth. But there's still no nothing has taken the place of. Uh, you know that play at radio it mm-hmm. still remains very very important for an artist's career mm.
0: we were actually speaking to your manager chuck and he had said that you are heading back into the studio
2: yes you know i'm I, i'm always right i'm not always writing that's not true i i try to write a couple of times a month and then if, and it could, because i'm I'm not one of those like sort of I used to write like relentlessly, and I don't know that I really achieved what I was striving for, and I find now that if I just take some time, build a song, you know, get an idea and and, and try to try to create something that really matters to me at this point, uh that's what I like to do. And so I'm busy doing that right now. Got a couple of things I'm working on that I feel really good about. And once I have what I want, then I'll probably go in and cut another couple sides again. And I'm working with a really cool, great guy. Bob Funk is his name. And Bob is Patricia Conroy's husband, actually. Bob's great. And so yeah yeah it, it, it's a very talented household there that's for sure but bob funk has produced uh, my last two singles and a christmas single that we just did for my christmas tour that i just completed and uh and, and he's really good for me you know i i, I wanted i want to be pushed i want you know i it's so i mean nobody else could do it for me but bob because i trust him he's my friend he loves me. I love him. I, his wife's my best friend. We we love each other and we really care about each other. And, and, and he understood and understands why an artist at this stage in my life, I, I want to be pushed. I don't want to repeat myself. And so, you know, he really helped me to, to expand on some vocal chops that I wanted to develop. And, and there were times when I'd, I'd come out of the booth, I'd be like, oh, forget it, just forget it. I'll just sing it just like I would just, you know, I would be so frustrated and I'd put my head down and he'd say, come on, get back in there. Let's <laughs> Pulls you out of your it. funk, so, you know, yeah. Yeah, he, uh, he would pull me and just help me to push myself and I, I need that. So that's what we're doing, you know, kind of doing what I've always done, yet, my, my desire to challenge myself is stronger uh, than it's been in a while. So that that's a good thing.
0: Well, I think that's fantastic that you're always challenging yourself. You're always pushing yourself. And, I mean, you're such a hard worker, and you're so respected in the country music community. And uh, I just, well, I think you're great, Michelle. <laughs>
2: Thank you, honey. <laughs> I think you're pretty awesome too. I think you're a really, really, really special woman. You know that, Amy. I, I, I really fall. I fall. I like your strength. I like your individuality. I like your spirit. And I, I was reading all of your stuff, Spot, and I, the story about like, the little piggy and everything, and that was oh, yeah. all just so awesome. And uh, I listened to some of your music. And I really enjoyed it, and I, I love sort of your, I guess, point of view or your brand, so to speak. You know, and uh, Really, really cool. So uh I hope you're doing well. Oh, that's really that sweet. Stuff.
1: Thank you very much.
2: Yeah. Respect to you both, man.
0: You know what? This industry, it's not for the faint of hearts. And so for everybody that uh, forges on, I mean, we, we all deserve an applause. Don't <laughs> we, <wait>, Michelle? <laughs> well,
2: yes, uh, for anybody who's listening, don't let the illusion fool you mm-hmm. because... uh There's no doubt about it. It's one of the greatest things in the world to do what we do. And yet, on the other hand, you're so vulnerable all the time, you know, Mm -hmm. and you sort of, you know, from one year to the next, you can't necessarily lay, you can lay out the plan. But uh, uh, on one hand, so many things are kind of out of your control. Mm -hmm. Then on the other hand, when when it's in your control and, and you're just doing what you're doing, it's pretty magical.
1: It is, and I think the one thing, though, even though we go through those peaks and those valleys, the one thing that I love about country music is that we have this family that always has our back.
2: Yep. And a great audience. My fans have been outstanding. I am so can't believe they're still they keep showing up I'm just so thankful you know
0: well I know I don't have to ask this but when you were on tour with your uh, a right Christmas um, did wh- how, how well received were you I already know the answer but I'm gonna ask it anyways
2: it was fantastic awesome you know, it was just So positive, you guys. It was wonderful. I hadn't done the Christmas tour in about eight years. So uh, it was time to do it again, Uh, again, with some of the changes in my business and my longtime manager passing away and me having to step back a little bit and all the rest, you know. And I changed my agency, and I got a new manager, and I said, you know what, it's time to do that Christmas tour again. And so my team helped put it together because it's a lot of work, and uh, we're planning for next year.
0: That's amazing. Before we let you go, uh, we have been asking all of the uh, artists and musicians that we've been talking to uh, a couple of questions. uh, And this first one, it's called Turn Us On. And so we're asking the question, what are you watching, reading, hearing, something in your life that you would like to share with us that we should be involved in?
1: Turn Us On, Michelle.
2: Well... I consume a lot of stuff because I love everything from history to science and I so I love technology and, and Netflix and Amazon Prime and all these things that I can scan until I find something that interests me. The one thing we've been loving is Anne with an E. Oh which is a, which is a series on Netflix and it is uh about Anna Green Gables and P it is just it's magical. It's 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 literature. It's poetry. It's romantical, mm. as she would say. Just wonderful. Is Gilbert
0: involved in this? Anne with an E. Yes. Oh, okay. Because yes. it wouldn't be the same without yeah, Gilberts.
2: Yeah. So I love to cook. I love to read. I love to listen to music. I love to watch TV. I love to. I work with my husband in his business. Uh, he sells outdoor hanging chairs. So I do a lot of work helping my husband keep his. Buildings organized and all the paperwork and all that fun stuff. And,
0: Girl, uh, you you've know, got hustle.
2: Oh, you know I'm a worker. Man. I'm I, a little worker bee.
0: I brush my teeth today, so there's that. <laughs> 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 okay, before we let you go, Michelle, we also play a game, kind of a rapid fire situation. So don't think too hard
2: on it.
1: All right, Michelle. Five questions. Okay. Number one: Dogs or cats?
2: Dogs. Although I used to have four cats, and I had two of them on the road with me forever on the tour bus, and I had cat doors cut into the door doors, and so I'm a, I'm a, it's, hard for me, it's hard for me to pick, but if I had to... Right now, it's dogs.
0: Do you put ketchup on craft Dinner if you were to eat it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> me too,
1: Michelle. What's one song that you wish you wrote? Make you love me. Oh,
2: that is one of the that is one of the greatest. If you listen to that song, there's not a wasted word. I love that
0: mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's, it's magical for sure. Breaks your heart open. Okay, so if you could tour yeah. with anybody, dead or alive, who would it be?
2: Oh, that's so hard. <laughs> Um, I think probably Keith Urban. I'm just a big, big, big fan.
0: You just want him to sing those songs to you.
2: <laughs> but but you know. Then on the other hand, I mean, you know, I, I'm just so happy he's happy, and I think Nicole seems like such a beautiful woman, and I'm just, I, I knew Keith a little bit, you know, before before we got all before his life took some wonderful changes, you know. But I've been a fan from from the very first, from that first band that he was in. I can't remember the name of it right now, but
1: The uh, Ranch. The
2: Ranch. Like the first time I saw The Ranch, I was just like, "Who are these guys?" And oh my gosh! So yeah, yeah, that, uh, that would be my choice right now. Yeah,
0: I had the opportunity to uh, talk to Keith Urban a little while ago, and I and I would 100%
1: agree with you. He's a wonderful human being. So good choice. is there anything in your career michelle you've you've had a, a career spanning decades is there one thing that you haven't yet accomplished that you would like to
2: yes i have a couple of things i would like to write a number one hit record for whoever you know or any type of you know cut by a major artist that i that i love you know uh, uh just to, as a songwriter there there are things i still want to achieve and 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 just to have some hits with my own writing uh over and above what what has been already there
0: cool I so appreciate uh, speaking with you, hearing from you, catching up with you, talking with you, hearing about everything that's happening in your life. Michelle, you're just so wonderful. Thank you so much for speaking with us on the show today.
2: Thanks, you guys. Well, I I enjoyed it. Thank you so much and all the best with your podcast and your lives and your careers and If we we could, we'd hug each other right now. I know we would. Of course, we would. I'm sending
1: one over the phone line, Michelle.
2: Yeah. Thanks, you guys. Look forward to seeing you down the road. You got it. Okay, bye.
1: Pretty cool talking to a legend, eh?
0: Oh, my goodness. She is just one of the most rad women in country music.
1: Salt of the earth. I love it. Thank you so much, Michelle, for taking some time with us on the show. Let's talk about socials for a sec.
0: Yeah, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all of the good stuff at the show on the go.
1: She's Amy Ouse.
0: He's Scotty Kipper. Welcome to the show.